Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. On the afternoon of April 19, 1861, a train filled with Union volunteers rattled its way south to Washington. They were Massachusetts men who had just been mobbed on Baltimore's Pratt Street. Many were cut and bruised from hand-to-hand fighting with the crowd. A few carried bullet wounds. News of the riot had flashed across the telegraph wires, and in Washington, hundreds rushed to the railroad station. Among them was a small, dark-haired woman of 39 who worked in the patent office. Formerly, she'd been a schoolteacher in Worcester, and as the regiment passed, she recognized many in the ranks. They had been her students, her boys. Secessionists in the crowd jeered and mocked. The schoolteacher became indignant, excited, and alarmed, and vowed to do something. Washington had no military hospital or barracks. The wounded spent several days in makeshift quarters throughout the city, including the Senate chamber itself. The former schoolteacher and her sister took some of the more seriously wounded home with them. The soldiers' baggage had been left in Baltimore. They had no rations. Many had nothing, she said, but their heavy woolen clothes, not a cotton shirt, and many of them not even a pocket handkerchief. The next morning, the women persuaded neighborhood grocers to sell them as many provisions as they could and delivered the food and drink to their boys. They emptied their closets and bureaus of combs, thread, needles, pens, buttons, strings, salves, and tallow, and gave them out. They tore up old sheets for towels and handkerchiefs, packed wicker baskets, and went to the Capitol building. The schoolteacher sat in the vice president's chair and read aloud to her homesick and confused boys from a copy of their local paper, joking that it was better attention than I have been accustomed to see in the old time. In the next days and weeks, more troops arrived until an army surrounded the city. Caught up in the patriotic excitement, the women went to the camps every day, handing out homemade cake and jam. I don't know how long it has been since my ear has been free from the roll of a drum, the schoolteacher wrote her father. It's the music I sleep by, and I love it. Soldiers, too, wrote letters home telling friends and family what the sisters had done for them. In response came hundreds of packages from mothers, wives, and daughters. Until their rooms packed to overflowing, the two women moved to larger quarters. The excitement built to a climax in July, when the untested Union Army marched into Virginia to meet a similar army of boys eager for battle, these from the newly formed Confederate States of America. A number of Washingtonians went, too, packing picnic lunches for an exciting afternoon at a place called Bull Run. The sisters remained behind. First reports were encouraging, but by the end of the day, the boys were coming back, frightened, bitter, and bloody. This time, the wounded pouring in from the battlefield numbered in the thousands. A sad, painful, and mortifying scene, wrote the schoolteacher, for whom the day became a turning point. Henceforth, she took the skills she'd mastered, nursing sick relatives, teaching rambunctious boys, and organizing free country schools in Massachusetts, New York, and New Jersey, and channeled them into providing aid for the wounded and comfort for those stricken by the shock of war. So far as our poor efforts can reach, she pledged, they shall never lack a kindly hand or a sister's sympathy. Years later, many a Washingtonian would remember the tiny, dark-haired woman perched atop a large, unsteady wagon load of goods, holding on as best she could, said her biographer, while crowds of well-dressed people walked sedately to church. Clara Barton, angel of the battlefield and founder of the American Red Cross, had discovered her calling in those first frantic days after the Pratt Street riot, when she nursed the men, her boys, who had shed the first blood of the American Civil War.